0: Welcome to another exciting episode of Talking Movies. I'm Matt. I'm Tim. And welcome to a new month. Even though we did put out an episode last week, which is technically in January, this is the start of our new, uh, our new themed month, I guess. Yes. And boy, what a theme it is. <laughs> <laughs> Box office bombs, Those uh, those wonderful failures. Flops um i should say well this is a this is start of a new year for us and i guess it's start of a new uh we're going a whole new setup here um right we're not in the same room that we usually record the shows in which we usually do it in um in our in our studio at the shirt factory um right now we are in my apartment um sitting in a room which was just shortly ago a uh jared MacDuff's bedroom but now it is uh it is our our den
1: it's exciting to be in here because i wasn't allowed in the whole time that he lived here yeah he i kinda, always wanted to
0: come in but he no. always kept it closed and private you know <laughs> uh, i i rarely even saw it looked in the room um but it's nice yeah we uh kayla my girlfriend who also lives here we uh we repainted the room and it looks really nice and we moved in all of our dvds and books and all that kind of stuff and now we've got a nice uh, nice place to uh record the show i should also say that um and i keep and i've wanted to say this for a while now but i keep forgetting um ever since we started the show we've uh, we've had help from a few people um one is jared mcduff who since the beginning has lent me his uh his microphone that uh that i've been using um and since we were roommates it was easy to kind of like just take it and you know i'd just bring it back but since he moved out um and i don't have easy access to it i'm actually using a different microphone um so if it sounds different then that that's why um, but yeah, so I want to just say thanks to Jared Mcduff for all those weeks of lending the microphone and uh and a thank you to Joel Barlow for letting us use his uh his audio recorder, which we we have used for every episode, including this one so
1: and Jesus for your guidance. <laughs>
0: Yes, and Jesus, because without him, none of us would
1: be here. Without, without Jesus, we never would have been drawn to the bluebird.
0: No, mm. we'd all still be <laughs> sitting up on that cloud waiting to be born.
1: <laughs> yes, tonight we learned where babies come from.
0: Yes, and if you followed along uh, and watched the bluebird, somehow got a copy of it, felt the felt the need to watch it, uh, then you know what we're talking about. Um, so yeah, so starting off our, our month-long look at... Uh, Box office failures. We are starting with the... What year is Bluebird? 1940. 1940s. The Bluebird. Starring Shirley Temple. Yes. And boy, what a movie it is. We literally just finished watching it. um, Maybe about 20 minutes ago.
1: Yeah. I had seen it once before. um, And surprisingly, I enjoyed it more this time than I did the first time. But I still don't think it's that great or anything. (laughs) But... uh,
0: no, I mean I wouldn't call it a great movie at all, really. Um there are a lot of scenes that just kind of like I don't know, I would find myself kind of zoning out a lot hmm. during certain scenes that because nothing is really happening in the whole movie.
1: It's very unclear what the like the goal is they have to find the bluebird.
0: Whatever that means. And, yeah. We don't know what
1: that is or what it means. And it's a little anticlimactic because it's like, oh, that bird we already had.
0: Which I, c- I kind of figured that that's what yeah. was going to happen. Um, you know, because they catch a bird at the beginning. And For, for those who haven't watched it and who want to just hear us talk about it and, um, you know, don't have the desire to actually go out and, and watch it. I, I wouldn't blame you. It's not the kind of thing that I'd be worried about yeah. spoiling things for people um but at the beginning of the movie they um Shirley Temple and her little brother um Mytil and or no Mytil and Tiltil
1: that sounds right yeah
0: the the names in this movie are just so fucking <laughs> confusing cuz you've got Shirley <laughs> just Temple Just reading the opening credits It's like what Shirley Temple How has are they My- say this? and Mytil and the little brother as Tiltil and,
1: and then the last one is like Nigel Bruce as Mr. Luxury
0: <laughs> Mr. Luxury and then there's um the dog who's,
1: uh. Oh, I don't even. <laughs> the cat is Tilette. 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 And... and then the dog is. Tylo?
0: Yes. Ty- Ty-lo, Tylo and Tilette. Yes, because the
1: guard the... says calls him Fido at one point. He says
0: that's Tylo. Yes, Tylo and Tilette are the, are the cat and dog, um, who are transformed into humans, sort of like, um,. Cinderella style, almost. I'd say, <laughs> by that fairy godmother character who we never see again. Yeah, she I just, just kind of shows up, and it's so. We don't see her at the end, which is very it's weird. creepy.
1: Because this old woman just comes into their house late at night, wearing like a just... patchwork kind of quilt. Yeah, it's, it's waving
0: a stick around, saying just talking nonsense.
1: And it's not very uh, magical. That's the film was made as a response. To the Wizard of Oz
0: Yeah I guess we should Give the movie A proper intro
1: Yeah like in um, You know the, the, the MGM made The Wizard of Oz In 1939 And at first They tried to get Shirley Temple From 20th Century Fox To star in it As Dorothy um, But Daryl F. Zanuck um, the, the head of produ- uh, Production At uh, Fox um, You know He said no that's, she. She's A Fox actress She can't be An MGM movie and so they just picked out Judy Garland,
0: and she became a huge star. And, and The uh, Wizard of Oz became one of the most successful movies of all time. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and so Zanuck was like, Ugh, we gotta do something about this. Shirley Temple really wanted to be Dorothy, also. And she was very upset that she uh, she wasn't allowed to. Um,
0: yeah, that's gotta really sting.
1: And there's actually there's like newsreel footage of her in like maybe late 1938, early 1939, where she had just returned from a trip to Europe and a reporter is like, Oh, how is it to be back in America? And she's like, Oh, I love it. Cause after all, there's no place like home. Sort of like, wink, like, Hey, like, I'm going to be Dorothy. Oh, but yeah, no.
0: And it, I mean, I think it's probably for the best that Judy Garland was, uh, was cast as Dorothy. Shirley
1: Temple wouldn't have been able to pull off those songs. Yeah.
0: That's what I was just going to say is like, especially <laughs> hearing the one number she has in the bluebird. <sighs> where she's attempting this sort of yodeling kind of... Uh, lady-o. Um, I just can't imagine her singing... being able to to, to sing, you know, Somewhere Over the yeah. Rainbow. Um,
1: Which, I mean, that was... If Judy Garland hadn't been cast, then that song would have been in it. I mean, that song was written for Judy Garland. Hmm. Um, and I think, you know, if Shirley Temple had been in The Wizard of Oz, there would have been very little um like asked of her like musically I think right like. just maybe like a a bit here and yeah there.
0: i mean even like the song in the bluebird which is maybe like maybe a minute and a half yeah that's like at most I doubt, maybe
1: a minute maybe a minute
0: yeah um it feels just very shoehorned in because you're like well we got to have some sort of singing number if if they're really trying to compete with wizard of oz um
1: and she, she'd been like a huge star since she was like five years old and at a certain age, you can get away with just like you know singing like a little kid and stuff. You mm. know, like you know animal crackers in my soup. You know, um,
0: but the- I just really—I was eating animal crackers like for a good uh, chunk of the well, of this movie. Perfect going experience. But I didn't even think about that, even though Kayla and I were singing that animal crackers song before we yes. the movie. In. <laughs> um, but- <laughs> maybe that's why I was like halfway through the movie. I'm like, I need some animal crackers. <laughs> I went and got a bag. <laughs>
1: But by the time of the Bluebird, she's 12 years old. That's a tough age for a child actress. Um, She's not, like, just an adorable kid anymore. She's kind of getting awkward a little. Mm -hmm. Um, She's still doing, like, the cutesy mannerisms. But it's just kind of obnoxious. She's playing a very unlikable character also. Yeah. Which doesn't help.
0: No, not at all.
1: Um, But the... I mean, I don't know the original Bluebird story. I guess it was like a folktale and it was adapted into a play, which this film was based on. And there had been a silent version, which I know nothing about. Um, I really only know the story from this film. (laughs) And it just seems like, oh, well, it's ripping off the Wizard of Oz. Like, it even, like, having the dog and the cat Mm -hmm. be human just reminds me of how, like, in Kansas, there are, like, the handymen on the farm. right? And then, and then in, in Oz, they, they
0: are transformed into these living things.
1: And there's the lame... Like, the film starts in black and white mm-hmm. and tra- and it goes to color. And it's like, what? There's no reason for that to happen.
0: <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, like, to the movie's credit, um, I think that the... Oh, like, okay, it, the movie starts in black and white, and we have the whole little introduction scene. We see what, you know... Shirley Temple's life is like mm-hmm. her everyday life, and how she's a s kind of a, like not spoiled, but she's like very selfish and like you know why yeah. can't we have more and blah blah blah, and uh, you know the movie's going to be all about her learning learning her lessons about you know what's really important in life, um, and then she goes to sleep. The transition to this wonder, the Wonderland of this movie, the, in the colorful, yeah. magical world, is just really lame i mean com- espe- especially compared to the build-up and and the the way that they really do it in the wizard of oz where you know she's si- suddenly silent after the tornado and she walks to the door and then opens it up and it's like whoa and it really hits you like wow yeah. look at this place and that's and a you- great
1: like trick shot where you have, mm-hmm. like everything is like the stunt girl playing Dorothy at the beginning of the shot is wearing like a black and white dress mm-hmm. and then she goes out and then Judy Garland slips in wearing her like colored dress and
0: yeah and it's um, and, and it's not just the color that hits you it's like they open the door and it's like it feels like a wonderland mm-hmm. you know like the sets are just amazing yeah. especially for the time like it's just I can only imagine what it must have been like for people you know an average movie goer seeing that like for most most people probably hadn't seen too many color films at that point
1: i'm sure they were crapping their pants
0: i know great, it was probably uh, theater, really like, crazy oh my God. um and it's become so famous that like it, it's sort of like a a myth almost that a lot of people believe that the wizard of oz was actually the first color film but that's not true um but it was certainly i think probably probably the first one that really uh um I don't know. Captured people's imaginations, and it used the whole notion of color to. It was like this. Uh, there was a story point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You use the the sepia tone to portray the dull life in Kansas, and the color world to portray Oz. And the and fact that very... they
1: mention the rainbow, right? Like and we're the... going over the rainbow, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. like through the like spectrum. Of yeah, it's like the,
0: it really utilizes the the whole color it's a fundamental aspect of that movie. Um, and in the Bluebird, they really, it's, it's just, it's really sad to try to, like, to see them try to emulate that. Because when we do go to color, it's like, it's almost like a weird jump cut where Shirley Temple is, is going to bed and like her mom is like kissing her good night. And it's like, we don't even really see her go to sleep. We don't even see her like, her head like hit the pillow and like she's like all right going to sleep now like going to dream world there's no sort of like transition dream transition or anything like that no notion that she's like dreaming about anything um suddenly it just cuts to like an a kind of an awkward shot of like the cat or the dog um like kind of like looking up because there's a knock at the door and then she like just sits up in bed and it's just color and it's not like it's, it's really weird the way and they do it. One of the
1: things that was effective about the transition in The Wizard of Oz also was that, like, from the moment she lands down on her bed at the end of the whole, like, twister sequence to when she opens that door, it's just silence. Yeah, The Bluebird has, like, wall-to-wall score. Yeah. And it's yeah. very obnoxious. And it's a
0: repetitive cue that they're doing like, yeah mm-hmm. it's just this is really just like it, it sounds like they recorded like one cue and then just repeated it over, and over and over
1: it's again. like when you get one of those like alpha dvds or any like public domain dvd of a silent film and they'll just have like a few notes right played and and on the organ for yeah. the whole like hour <laughs> and a half or whatever
0: yeah, and that I mean, but what I was gonna say to get us get back to the whole color thing in the movie. One thing I will say to the movie's credit is, the they do kind of do this like bit with the color where they catch a bird at the beginning of the movie, and it's in black and white, and the whole movie is them trying to find this blue bird. And, you know, somewhere in the middle I'm like, Okay, well, you know, I I think I know where the blue bird is. It's in the King Bag. Yeah, exactly. And then when they wake up, um, after their whole sort of quote unquote Oz adventure, um, everything's still color and like, you know, Shirley Temple's like, Wow, doesn't everything look so much brighter and more beautiful now? And they're like, No, it's the same, it's always been And then they look over to the bird and it's blue and they're like, This bird wasn't blue before, it was brown or Something. um
1: yeah, they do say brown. They should have said should, gray,
0: yeah, or black, but, or something. I mean, but yeah. I, I do kind of like that. Yeah, the way that the, that that uh, was, where you know, the black and white world was kind of the way that she did actually see the world. Mm. Um, and having this sort of bluebird there the whole time, right in front of her, and she's not even noticing that that it is a beautiful bluebird. Oh, that was kind of clever um
1: it is one thing I think um that bugs me about The Wizard of Oz is that at the end of the film, Dorothy is supposed to like appreciate Kansas and her home and everything, but the color is gone again, and it's not it's like oh, it's not like your life's going to be colorful now. Mm-hmm. you just have to accept the drabness
0: right <laughs> I don't know. yeah i I wonder if it would have made more sense in The Wizard of Oz if she goes back to kansas and it probably would have been better yeah
1: it is i mean the ending of to the wizard of oz is upsetting for a number of reasons Mm -hmm. but i mean that's just (sighs) i don't think i would have gone back to kansas oz was awesome once the witch was dead like what was wrong with oz
0: yeah in the books she actually does wind up staying in oz
1: but in the books, also, it's a real place, and she can.
0: Yeah, it's not. Come it, and it's go. not a dream thing, and yeah. it's not like the whole sort of bit about like oh, the there are these sort of um, versions of the Scarecrow, Tin Man, and Cowardly Lion in Kansas. But those characters don't exist in in the book. It's just like she mm-hmm. is transported to Oz via yeah. tornado. There's no, you know. No Which, dream, I think the right?
1: tornado is like the first two pages of the book, or something. Like.
0: Yeah, and then it's yeah. like Roy in Oz, and then. She does go back home um and her aunt and uncle are like we thought you were dead in a tornado <laughs> you know
1: <laughs> i remember watching um a documentary about oz i think uh on a and think it was like one of those in search of things in search of oz and it was either ray bradbury or isaac asimov i don't remember which one probably bradbury it just seems like he'd be talking about Wizard of oz more like i don't know but uh, he just said, like at the end of the movie, you want to stand up and scream and rip the screen apart because they're like destroying the stories with that ending, because like Oz is real that mm. you can go there.: yeah. yeah, that sounds like Bradbury more than Asimov, but
0: yeah, in the in the books, Dor- Dorothy not only uh, goes on to live in Oz, but she takes uh, her aunt Auntie M and Uncle Henry with her. they mm-hmm. wind up living in Oz too. Because why wouldn't you want to live in a Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> um, but the Bluebird, it tries to create this sort of like... It, we. Part of the problem with the movie, I think, is that like we never understand the rules of the world that we're... In.
1: Yeah, because it's not even like they're going to a different world. They're just seeing the world they're in differently. They go to a graveyard, which is a real graveyard. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> if they think of people in the graveyard then they can interact with them. And it's, it's odd because their dead grandparents are there and it's like, yeah. they, it's like, they're just sitting there sleeping until somebody thinks about them.
0: And then it's like, suddenly like we just cut to, there's just a lot of strange, like cutting around to different locations and we don't really know how the characters get there or why yeah, certain characters know how to get it's there.
1: It's clearly split up into sections and at the end of each section, it just fades to black. And, and then, then we're in the new section yeah.
0: And the cat's like, oh, I know the way to the land of luxury. And they're just like, all right, let's go. And then we'll just cut to luxury, you know. Um, And the, um, it kind of has like a
1: sort of a a Christmas carol sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. Like in a Christmas carol, you know, Scrooge is taken to uh, the past, the present, and the future Mm -hmm. so that he can learn to be a better person. And this one, it's like they're taken to the past and the future, and then instead of the present, they're taken to luxury. The land
0: of which luxury, yeah. I guess,
1: I, I, that's odd. I mean, if they're sticking with, like, these terms, past and future, mm-hmm. it seems like it'd be obvious to do something with the present, but...
0: Like, why not go to the house, the the children's house? Um, be- at the beginning of the movie, the, the two kids, uh, Shirley Temple and her brother, are walking home, and they're looking into this... A rich family's house and there's a huge christmas tree and they've got servants and butlers yeah. and people walking around why not just like kind of like oh we're gonna go to like that house and mm. like see what life is like there and realize that you know the kids are spoiled and they're like you know i mean all all the um the, the character transformation is just so like there's no nuance to it at all it's very just like you know we're just yeah. going to hit you over the head with the idea that like, like they're in the land of luxury for maybe like two minutes and all the, and it just, they're, they just suddenly become these spoiled brats. Like, I don't want to be on the merry-go-round anymore. Give me that horse. No, it's my horse. No, it's not. <laughs> and they're just like at each other's throats. And it, you know, instead of like, you know, the, the mantra of like storytelling in film is like, you know, show don't tell there's too much telling going on in this movie the The whole thing is driven by, like, the dialogue, which, you know, and like I said, there's no kind of, like, nuance to it. They're just hitting you over the head. And we're not really seeing anything really happening. Yeah. You know? And in a movie like this that's trying to, like, pull a Wizard of Oz, it's very strange because that was the whole great thing about the Wizard of Oz is how visually stimulating it was like
1: we are just watching the film you're in Oz, so yeah you just totally See these amazing things and like there there are um i will give the Bluebird credit for like some little like set pieces i i enjoyed the uh kind of like sped up slapstick shtick at the end of uh, <laughs> the luxury thing
0: right with with like the dog <laughs> kind of bumbling around and stuff
1: and um the fire in the woods uh that sequence been, you know the, i mean those effects even in 1940 they had been done better just a year earlier and gone with the wind the burning of atlanta is like amazing and then you watch the bluebird right after it it's like why didn't they why it's a year later why isn't it better than that but at the same time i don't know like i i like the artifice of it i mean it's a fantasy anyway yeah
0: um but yeah i mean it's interesting the whole time i was thinking like clearly this, this movie has like some money behind it like it has a a fairly high budget because there are these big sort of like set pieces like the burning of the forest and like they're building all these like sets but they're not very like interesting sets and (laughs) And it seems like there's a lot of money spent but like you don't see it on the screen at all you know
1: and i I feel like it's almost just the way that the sets are shot because you have those big winding staircases Mm -hmm. and the luxury thing and it's just like
0: it's just so flat and like
1: yeah, and it's um I mean that that might be one of the differences between like you know I mean this is clearly a Fox film. Wizard of Oz was an MGM film. MGM I mean they might not have had like the best films but like the technicians were the best and like everything like l- always looked great even if often the films were kind of like boring and stagey and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um Fox always seemed to have like they were obsessed with, like, realism, which is odd when they're doing, like, a fantasy film. It's just, like, we're going to shoot just straightforward. Here's what's going on. Like, I mean, like, Zanuck, you know, he he started out, he was known as, like, the fifth Warner Brother when he was at Warner Brothers in the 20s and early 30s. Um, and he was, like, one of the ones bringing in all, like, the gangster films and the social realism films of that era. And then, you know, he took off and did 20th Century Pictures, and then they merged, and it's 20th Century Fox. And, um, aside from like a few, like if you had a director like John Ford or Ruben, uh, Ruben Mamoulian working on a Fox film, like clearly they had some like style going on, but for the most part, until you get into like the mid forties with like a lot of their film noir, um, it's, it's kind of rough, like watching a lot of these Fox films Mm. And when you get like a guy like Walter Lang directing who you know looking through his filmography the films that he's directed that I've seen, I enjoyed all of them
0: the but the, they were the nothing. director of the bluebird,
1: yes, um but they you know he's nothing special. he mm-hmm. just happened to be the director hired and like Henry King was like the big like twentieth century fox director, but none of his films really like did anything great. He just kind of aimed the camera and said action to a degree,
0: yeah. It feels like they had all the elements of, like, a Wizard of Oz on paper. Yeah. But just the execution felt very, like... It feels like it's very... Like, they just rushed it. Like, they just pushed it out. And uh, didn't really... They didn't capture the heart of of what made the Wizard of Oz so successful. <laughs> <laughs> And just the nature of the story just doesn't really like, it's such a strange thing. It's almost like, let's take everything about The Wizard of Oz that made it great and like suck all the fun out of it and (laughs) insert all this sort of like dark, depressing kind of like...
1: The little sister. Yeah. When they meet the girl in like the land of children waiting to be born. Yeah. They
0: they travel to the the future, (laughs) which amounts to sort of like a, almost like a...
1: It's like Mount Olympus. Like, yeah,
0: like, I was going to say like a Greek sort of vision of heaven <laughs> where there's all these children like in, in togas and in, like really short skirts. Even. And um, it's all these children who are like the future children. They haven't been born yet. And they like wait around for, you know, what seems like eons or millennia waiting to be born. Um, and there they, uh, the, the two main characters... They meet their little sister, their their sister who is yet to be born. She says, "Like, I'm gonna be coming like in about a year, so you better watch out." And they're like, "Yay, we're gonna have a little sister! The three of us! Woohoo!" And I'm like, "Well, I'm not gonna be there for long." Like, what? You're 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 gonna go? Yeah. And they're like all right well, well bye yeah they're <laughs> we'll not tell, too upset about well it. tell mom that you're uh, <laughs> that you're coming and she's like all right and then they sort of like do this like zoom in on her smiling face and that's it and it's like that's horrible
1: <laughs> and it's not like that girl was going anywhere it was odd that they said goodbye to her she could have like hung out with them for yeah the, rest right? of the time they were there she was like one of the first kids they met and there was also um i guess abraham lincoln waiting to be born
0: <laughs> is that who the they're i'm assuming because when because the movie is set in like the early 1800s i guess because they're talking about napoleon yeah um
1: and so if he became president in 1860 he was waiting to be born then and...
0: yeah that's so weird and yeah it's like i didn't yeah i didn't make the lincoln connection i was just like Who's this guy? there? like, you know, he gives this sort of like patriotic speech about all men should be created equal as it is up here, <laughs> as it is with the children in heaven. <sighs> I must tell, you know, the men on earth.
1: But they're going to destroy me. <laughs>
0: yeah, and Shirley Temple's like, yeah, you got to do it. They'll listen. Like, no, they won't. They will destroy me. <laughs> and it's like, this is coming from like a nine-year-old kid.
1: And it's creepy that like they know their fate. I mean, yeah. in, in some cases, like, they know that they will go to, go to Earth, be born, and invent anesthesia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, like, electricity or whatever. And, like, but... Uh, I don't
0: know. Or, it, like, oh,
1: I'm going to be with you, and then I'm going to die, like...
0: Yeah, and who knows how dumb. long, like, you know, is she going to die, like... I guess she'd probably live to be about the age that she is in... I guess. But...
1: But then why are the other people still, like, why... It's... The, all the all the children there are like all different ages. They're mm-hmm. all somewhere between the ages of like four and fourteen.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> then the, yeah, then they're like the teen lovers who are kind of like being sp- split apart, and you know they'll be born in totally different eras and live their lives and not remember each other. Yeah,
1: she'll be born after he dies. Yeah,
0: and so in in life they will have, they will never remember or know the love that they shared for each other and it's like we're getting all of these things in the span of like five minutes they're just throwing all this shit at you and you're just like what the hell there's and all it's these weighty things towards the children. end of the yeah, film it's right at the end of the movie so like
1: we've been with these other characters and we've been following their journey to the degree that we care about it and then all of a sudden it's like here's all these other things to think about
0: yeah <laughs> and it's just like good god And it's like, but this is, that's, that was sort of the culmination of just like a lot of real dark kind of real weighty issues going on. Like right from the, uh, like when you get into the cemetery and they're like meeting their dead grandparents, there's this whole sort of like, it almost felt like a, like a guilt trip with these, Mm. like the, the grandparents become alive when you remember them. Like they're like the, the dead become alive when you remember them but the way that they show this is like the the grandparents are like sleeping outside in the cold like nestled up against each other almost like un you know just totally lifeless and, and dead and when they when the children remember them they the light comes on and they like kind of wake up and they're like oh they remembered us and we we can live again and they're like begging the children Finish to stay work, you know cuz the, the children show up and they're like please don't go. And they're like, but we have to. Grandma, let go of me. <laughs> like,
1: Jeez, stay. I'll bake you I'll the make biggest you... apple tart you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, please don't go. We don't want to go back to sleep. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's just really crazy. Um, and then their cat, the, the family cat, who, uh, who is transformed into a human girl, a human woman, um, who's conniving the whole time trying to like stop them because she thinks if, if if they can stop them from finding the bluebird, then she can stay in human form. Uh and be free of them. I guess. But it's I guess not that's really what's going on. Yeah. um she has this whole kind of plan, like after she tries to like trip them up along the way a few times, but when all that fails, she turns to the woods, I guess. Yeah, the, he calls
1: on the the mighty oak, and he calls the rest of the tree gods, I guess.
0: Which are basically they're depicted as almost like lumberjack looking guys.
1: And um, one of them is played by Sterling Holloway, who is probably best remembered as the voice of Winnie the Pooh. Oh, really? Yeah, that kind of bumbling guy. He showed up in a lot of films throughout the '30s and '40s, and like small like comedy bits.
0: Um yeah, and so they all get together, and it's weird because this is this, and this is where like, like I say, like the rules of the world are never fully explained. yeah, they talk about like the, the cats like gather around all you tree gods. Let me tell you something. <laughs> and they're like, what's that? And like these kids over here, they're looking for the bluebird, and they're like,, <gasps> the bluebird, oh my God, what <laughs> the blue this is horrible. they she can't find the bluebird because if we find the bluebird, this whole world will be destroyed. And like we'll cease to exist. And it's like what what is the what is the bluebird? It's like is... I
1: thought it was happiness.
0: Yeah. What is that? <laughs> I
1: I'm often happy hanging out in the woods. What why can't that why can't they coexist?
0: <laughs> and so they all decide that the only way to like take care of this problem is like the children must be destroyed. We must kill them and they're like yeah, the kill children them. must die. The children must die. And so they're like we'll call on the fire and the lightning. And so in trying to, like, kill the children, they wind up burning the whole forest down. And the cat is consumed in flames and dies horribly. And it's just like, what the hell?
1: But man? at the end, you know, we're reminded, oh, yeah, cats
0: have nine lives. So yeah, so the cat is... As you well know, as well. The cat is transformed back into a cat. And you know, and the dog playfully chases after the cat, like, oh, you naughty feline. And the family's <laughs> like, ha, 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 ha. oh, those two... <laughs> It's just like, it's just so strange. I mean, just going so dark. I, I don't know what they were thinking, really. The, the
1: scene where um, the cat dies in the fire reminded me so much of Miss um, Danvers in Rebecca. Like, I mean, she oh, kind of right. looks like Judith Anderson anyway, mm-hmm. but just like the way she's like waving her arms about in the flames, it's just like at the end of that. And um but yeah, uh, Gail Sondergaard, who plays uh, Tylette, um she
0: was... A- I kept thinking that her name was Toilette. <laughs> like a moist, or like a towelette, like a moist towelette or something.
1: <laughs> um, she was actually up for the role of the Wicked Witch. Uh, the yeah. I
0: mean, she, and she definitely kind of has that. Yeah.
1: Because early on they early were like, let's try. They they had an idea. Let's try and make like a glamorous, like sexy Wicked Witch. Before they were just like, let's just make her green and Margaret Hamilton. Yeah. Not th- I mean, Margaret Hamilton's not the worst looking actress <laughs> in the world, but <laughs> I anyway, <hate> that. Yeah. <laughs> No, not really. Okay. Well, you know, diff- different strokes. Anyway. <laughs> um. But yes, yeah, so that's another uh Wizard of Oz connection.
0: Yeah, well she oddly enough like felt the most like the Wizard of Oz to me in some way. Mm. Because she was kinda like the, the the witch character. And it's funny, like I was thinking that before like I didn't I didn't even know that she was actually up for the role. Mm. Um and then they have like the Glinda type character who is like the lamp. <laughs> the fairy godmother light. transforms the lamp and is like, This is light. She will guide you it's really weird kind of like why light and fire and lightning are her stepbrothers yeah okay yeah but we don't meet fire or lightnings you just talked about them it's just just a lot that like we're not seeing or we're not like really experiencing
1: maybe in the original story it's all laid out clear but i have a feeling there's even less going on there and it might have been, like, adding too much that made it a big convoluted mess. Yeah, it like, could be. trying to lay this heavy, like... Like, I, I'm sure all, like, the symbolism was there in the original tale, but just hitting us over the head with it mm-hmm. just gets kind of old.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's it's no wonder to me that this movie failed. Mm-hmm. Especially since, I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, The Wizard of Oz had a long theatrical run. I don't know for sure exactly how long it was in theaters for. Um, but I could imagine cuz I think I'm pretty sure Wizard of Oz came out and at, at the towards the tail end of 1939. Um so they could have even been in the in theaters at the same time.
1: It's possible.
0: Um <clears throat> And I I just can't imagine, like, anyone wanting to see the bluebird over (laughs) wanting to go see the Wizard of Oz. Or, like, the poor kids who, like, missed out on the Wizard of Oz. And, like, oh, everyone's talking about it and I missed it. And the parents are like, we'll go take you to see the bluebird. And then they're (laughs) scarred for life because all this horrible stuff happens to these.
1: A few days after watching the bluebird, the mother is like, guess what? I just got some news. You're going to have a new baby sister. (laughs) No!
0: exactly like and that's what i was thinking like this movie like if i like i I could just imagine there's some family out there somewhere who's like instead of having the wizard of oz growing up on like a vhs tape like they had the bluebird and they watched it a bunch of times when they're a kid and when like the movie feels like it's aimed at a very very young demographic yeah you know like the five-year-old six-year-old crowd You get any older and you start, like, questioning just, like, what the heck is going on? You know what I mean? And, like, but at that young age, like, I feel like this movie could actually do some, I'm not going to say damage, but, like, really put some weird ideas in your mind about just, like, the nature of of death and life and kind of just all that stuff. I don't know. It's, it's very strange. Like I imagine the whole like heaven children yet to be born scene. Like I imagine that's what a lot of like anti-abortion uh, people kind of imagine real life to be, you know, there are all <laughs> these people waiting to be born and you're the one who's stopping, you know, poor Jimmy from being, being born. The
1: response to that is like, well, poor Jimmy is in love with that girl up there and I want them to stay together. <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. He's not coming out of me. <laughs>
0: Um, But Jimmy needs to invent <laughs> anesthesia uh, You're gonna be I don't know The the movie just has so many like Strange ideas Kind of shoehorned in that they don't elaborate on And you kind of just get like little tastes of it
1: So much of the Like obvious attempts At humor kind of fall flat But um, we definitely Laughed often just at like they'd say these ridiculous things or there'd be these like creepy moments. And it's yeah. just, you can't do anything but laugh at that. It just, it, it was so disturbing. You had to laugh.
0: Yeah. And especially it being like, I mean, and in, in Shirley Temple and her, and her younger brother are both, you know, considerably younger than Judy Garland was in yeah. the Wizard of Oz. Like they're, they're children, you know? Yeah. And so, it's just weird. Like, there's, they're just surrounded by all these old people the whole time. Mm. And the creepy old people. Very weird movie.
1: And it was remade in the late 70s.
0: I would be um, very fascinated to watch that movie.
1: Apparently, one of the... Uh, I, don't, I know very little about that film. It was directed by George Cukor. One of his last. Um, <laughs> what a way to go. <laughs> and... Um, like, I was just, like, looking up just some random information on it before today, and uh, one of the criticisms of it was that it was, like, there were so many, like, big stars in it as, like, all, like, the minor characters that you kind of, like, lost, like, the little kid characters who were mm-hmm. supposed to be, like, the stars of it, and it seems like they did that again. They just, like, surrounded these, like, two little kids with all these, like, old people, and it's it's odd.
0: Yeah. And he like in this movie, like even like the uh, like um, Tylo, like he's you know he's supposed to be their sort of like faithful companion, kind of yeah. like the cowardly lion guy, and he's just kind of lost in the in the story. He's not like developed at all. He's, he's just, just kind of there,
1: chubby middle aged man who hangs around these little kids, like
0: <laughs> just making like really just obvious kind of like just these lame duck jokes and sort of physical. Comedy. And doing
1: like the sort of like Abbott and Costello, like the heavy breathing thing, even though I think this is before uh, they'd made any movies. Not really? I think they started 41, maybe. But um, I mean, they were out there like on Vaudeville and stuff and the radio. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Yeah, like I'm just sort of like in the graveyard being inexplicably like terrified at, like, the sight of an open grave and, like, you know, looking at a fake-looking skull and not being able to speak, you know. it There are just so many moments that, like, felt so... It almost felt like parody of this kind of movie. <laughs> like When the ship of children are leaving at God. the end and they all start singing, like, I just expect it to be, like, a Monty Python sketch <laughs> or something. Like, it's just so cheesy it's almost like parodying it's cheesiness
1: or at some point like all the characters from blazing saddles will come crashing through the wall and just start fighting everywhere
0: yeah you just expect the ship to like get hit with something and like fall <laughs> down you know like it's just so absurd
1: i love that the who now who was the old man time is yeah. he Father Time? Mm-hmm. That, he carries a scythe. Is that a, is, does Father Time do that in the traditional like
0: iconography?
1: Because I mean, uh, usually I see an old man carrying a scythe. I That's think it's death. death. Yeah, but uh, no, he's he's in one hand. In
0: one hand he's carrying born. an hourglass, and in the other he's carrying the the scythe. Yeah, and he's got a long beard and bald head. Like he looked like death. <laughs> and he's like, come on, children, onto the boat. And it's like. <laughs>
1: A little bit before somebody says, like, oh, that's time. Yeah. Like, so you're like, like,
0: and you see him coming up over, like, the, the hill or you whatever. You see the scythe first? Yeah, <laughs> and you're just like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh,
1: that's a very upsetting movie. <laughs> we had, uh, we mentioned briefly right before we started recording, uh, Nigel Bruce, isn't it, who we know from Suspicion and Rebecca, but apparently most people remember him as Dr. Watson in all the Basil Rathbone, Sherlock Holmes films. Oh, I haven't uh, seen any of them. No, nah, me neither. And those are supposed to be, like, the Sherlock Holmes films. Um, he was, whenever I see him popping up in, like, small roles and things, like, he he's always, just, like, this likable guy. And, mm-hmm. like, it, I get that his character was not supposed to be likable in this. He's Mr. Luxury. Yeah. But it was it was just, like, a chore to watch him. It was just painful. I don't know. And, and at the end of the luxury scene, he has like that profound line. Yeah. Where, where she says, I don't remember the line. She says something and then he responds. And what is it?
0: Um, yeah, she says, uh, Oh, like they're too, they're young, too young to appreciate, or they're too young
1: to appreciate luxury. And then and he, we're he,
0: too, and we're too old to, escape. yeah. He like
1: turns it. to her, like as it fades out. Like, mm-hmm. and
0: yeah. We're too old to escape it. <sighs> um, yeah, I mean the whole luxury sequence really like, I think that's like the the low point in the movie. That and maybe like the the graveyard scene. I felt like mm. they're just too long and like, even though they're not that long, it <laughs> feel too long because like nothing. <laughs> the film
1: happened. itself is only like eighty something minutes long. Yeah, it's um. just
0: like I don't know. You don't feel like we're progressing anywhere, that, and that's one of the like. And I've tried to, like, work a story out like this. Like, the um, the Wizard of Oz style, like, going on a quest, meeting, like, fanciful characters along the way kind of story. It's hard to do that right, to tell that kind of mm. story without it just feeling like, oh, I walked here and and this thing happened to me. And I walked here and this thing happened. and w- w- Sometimes it just feels like things are happening around the main character and the main character doesn't have any sort of, like, real direct input or like action in the uh they're not affecting anything things are just happening around them and characters kind of pop up that don't have any real impact on the continuing story um this movie you know falls into that trap I that think.
1: was my big problem with um i haven't seen the new one but last year when i saw the first part of the hobbit hmm. it was just like oh these guys are walking around here's some monsters. Right. Things they're
0: just kind of happen.
1: And then they do that again and again. And then the movie just kind of like mm-hmm. ends, but it's not over. You got to watch two more movies.
0: <laughs> and that's one of the things like that the wizard of Oz managed to do really, really well mm-hmm. is that it feels like it feels like we're, we're going somewhere. Like we have this trek that, you know, we have to follow the yellow brick road. It's a very like, you know, kind of simple idea that and it's, you can clearly, you can see it. It's a visual thing that like, you know where you know it's like this is the land of oz you need there's a clear goal you need to go to the emerald city follow the yellow brick road and get there and we're meeting characters along the way but like they stay with her and they all you feel like they all change as 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 you by the time you get to the end um
1: it's like that's one of the, like that it's like star wars when, right. Like, yeah. Luke has to go meet Ben Kenobi, and then, then he's they got R two D two. Yeah, then and then, then they meet Han Solo, and then
0: they meet Princess Leia, and yeah, it's like, which is another great like mythical
1: right. sort of thing. Yeah. It's like,
0: um, and at the same time, it feels like the story is like, it feels like the the main. It feels like Luke Skywalker is driving the movie forward. You know, we're invested in his kind of plight we want to see him succeed same thing with dorothy like we we understand you know what her wants are and we can sympathize with her especially since she's a very sympathetic character and we she's likable from the very first scene that she's in Mm. in the bluebird like (laughs) the opposite is true where it's like you have a very unlikable spoiled little brat of a character and uh, we don't know what the heck she's trying to do. Just find a bluebird. They just keep saying, well, you got to find a bluebird. Got to find a bluebird. And it's like, what does that even mean? And everyone else seems to think it's this big deal. But like, and we never really know what the bluebird is supposed to be. It's just happiness. And it's just this vague I mean, kind of concept. Um,
1: and apparently, originally, it was supposed to be even more magical than that. Or they were giving happiness a lot more credit than it's due, maybe. Which sounds like a weird, evil thing to say. But, um... Originally, they had shot a sequence where... Well, there's, like, the little, like, uh... Invalid girl. Right. At the Yeah, the
0: uh, the there's a sick little girl. Yeah,
1: who's mm. bedridden. Or she'd been in bed for a year, I think. And, uh, at the end of the film, she's just walking around. Mm-hmm. And her mother's in- like, in- oh, you can walk! Yeah. And originally, they shot a scene where Shirley Temple's character gives her the bird.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And... She like takes the bird and she like dramatically like gets up and she's like I can walk and it's like this big <laughs> scene. Yeah. And Shirley Temple's mother was like, "No, that that actress is overshadowing oh, my daughter." Brother. So they and like um the director Walter Lang
0: <laughs> was just like call, fine
1: whatever. He, like, well, he I'll called the it. actress into his office and was like, "I want you to know before like the premiere is in a week. I know you're really excited to see the." movie i have to warn you the scene you're most proud of i had to cut i thought you were amazing you know i'm very proud of you
0: but no one's ever going to see it yeah
1: it's like shirley temple made this studio what it is with her movies basically like and like in the depression like it was the shirley temple movies that were like pretty much driving fox Mm. so
0: yeah, that that is uh, that is crazy, and it like it fe- and it it really does affect the movie because it it feels just like very kind of just
1: thrown in. Yeah, there. very thrown in. And it is um, when I mentioned the Great Depression, it reminded me like it's nineteen forty when this movie is coming out, so World War Two has already started, mm-hmm. and there's like this notion in the film of like you know, the father's going to go away to war at the, at the beginning. And then at the end, it's like,
0: no, everything's
1: fine. <laughs> yeah. also,
0: I'm sorry. I got my, I got confused. I thought there was a war. There's not a war. You could just Merry Christmas. Have a good time. I'm going to uh, say goodbye. <laughs> and the guy just leaves. Yeah.
1: And like, I just don't think that like the world at that point was ready to be like, yeah, war is just, you know, whatever. Like it's, it was, it was happening. And they weren't sure if, like, the U.S. was going to get involved or, like, if they were, when they would get involved. But, right, like, yeah. But, like, Europe was already there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, and also, yeah, it is sort of like a, nothing is really made of it, but it is sort of a Christmas movie.
0: It is kind of a Christmas movie, yeah, because at the beginning, you know, they're talking about the bird maybe being, like, a Christmas present. And then they're seeing the big Christmas tree and they're, you know. Which is
1: almost like uh, Fezziwig's party yeah, exactly yeah. yeah or fozzy wigs or
0: <laughs> whichever movie you yeah. want <laughs> um whatever your christmas carol is <laughs> um yeah and then at the end like yeah it kind of ends with this like merry christmas like everything's okay
1: yeah and it's like oh yeah it's christmas like the audience is
0: like oh i forgot about that yeah mm-hmm. so it, it it very it does really feel like it is inspired by the, the christmas carol hmm. It's a strange mishmash between Wizard of Oz, Christmas Carol, and (laughs) Mexican Santa Claus, or something. (laughs) Actually,
1: yeah. I mean, the scene with all the the children just reminds me of the slaves making the toys. Yeah, totally.
0: The the stereotype slaves from around the world. Um, Although all the kids were white that yeah. were waiting to be born. I did notice that actually. I was thinking about that.
1: Although I mean there was there were at least Jewish ones. They did the last kid called was a Zimmerman. So. <laughs> but still, like those are all the kids <laughs> in the world. That's...
0: <laughs> Zimmerman was like an afterthought. Like, oh yeah, yeah and Zimmerman, get over <laughs> here. <laughs> I guess you can come too. Last on the list.
1: What uh, what have you seen other Shirley Temple films aside from I know you've seen later on. You've seen Ford Apache. I've seen
0: Ford Apache, and and the Bluebird, and that is. You haven't
1: it. seen any of her like little kid nope. movies. All right. well, if I had to recommend one, it would be uh, uh, Little Princess, which was 1939, and um, it was I think it was her first color film, and it does it sort of has like fantasy elements. At least she has like a dream sequence which has fantasy elements, but the film itself is actually like a semi-serious melodrama about like a child who's like left in an orphanage when her father is like missing in the war. Mm. Um. But yeah. I now I, this is one of those films that I watched several times as a child, but I have not seen in a long time. So my memories of it are very positive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It might not hold
0: they up. It might be kind of over now,
1: um, I've heard really good things about Wee Willie Winkie, which was uh, the first film she made for John Ford in 1937, and which was the reason why he wanted her for Ford Apache uh, ten years later, because mm. he was like, I knew then she was a great actress, but I don't know if that really <laughs> holds up ten years later. She was a great child actress. Right. That doesn't always. I mean, transition. it's hard to
0: like make that transition. Yeah. You know, I mean, because when you're a kid, like you just. I don't know. The The world is just a totally different place. And like your whole perception of things that are happening is totally different.
1: And she was making films when she was like three years old and that's like all she ever knew. Mm-hmm. It's creepy to see some of her really early ones or like pre-code films where she's just walking around in a diaper being the like a little like baby prostitute and stuff like, um,
0: that does sound creepy.
1: It is very creepy. She did... There was a, a fortunately short-lived series of films that were sort of like a takeoff on the uh, the Our Gang films, which were later Little Rascals, mm-hmm. um, where I don't even know what... I think it was just some, like, Skid Row like uh studio just was like, let's get some kids and make some movies. (laughs) And they would act out, it would be like all kid casts and they would act out these like very like adult scenes, like sailors on leave, hanging out in a bar. And she'd be like hitting on them and trying to turn a trick.
0: (laughs) This sounds adorable. (laughs)
1: That's another. Those are other ones um, I I watched many times growing up. <laughs> my my grandparents had a VHS collection. of These are all like public oh, domain. Oh, Shirley Temple movie.
0: <laughs> um, put it on for the kids.
1: Like all her pre code things are like um, public domain. So they just had like this tape. It was Shirley Temple festival and it had like five or six like really short films that she was in, and two of them were those. Another one was something like kid in africa or something which had to do with like um like she was a missionary and she had to deal with cannibals which of course were these like poor like black child actors who had Mm. to act with like you know like a bone through their nose and these horrible stereotypes oh man oh hollywood (laughs) yeah i mean
0: it's you hear horror stories about just like actresses being just put through the meat grinder that was like the Hollywood studio system of the time. But to think about throwing a child into all of that and not just a child, but like a superstar yeah, who was like, you know, <clears throat> six years old. That is just like, it's crazy.
1: And she was like one of the top moneymakers at the time. And not just the films but like all the merchandise, all the Shirley temple dolls and, um,
0: what are those things uh, so, uh what, what what was this mo- scissors were you making a motion about scissors
1: yeah the um the, the paper
0: dolls oh paper dolls yeah.
1: like the the dolls and the and the, the paper dolls <laughs>
0: <laughs> right
1: <laughs> tim is tired <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah she i mean like in the transition from uh Fox and 20th century pictures into 20th century Fox. It was like Shirley Temple and Will Rogers were pretty much like making the money and then Will Rogers died. And then it was like all on Shirley Temple. And yeah, but then by, I mean, by the time of the bluebird, they had uh Tyrone power. They had Alice Faye. Um, they had, they had Henry Fonda. So, I mean like, you know, it wasn't like just her show anymore pretty much. So right. you know, after the bluebird wasn't a big success, they didn't really need her anymore. And she didn't really, I think she did like maybe one or two other films like in that era. And then pretty much like her big comeback was supposed to be in 1944 when, uh, David O. Selznick, as he often did with, um, various film artists, just like bought her hmm. <laughs> and, uh, put her in, um, since he went away. Um, which I, I haven't seen that film um but that was like like a big like three hour like best picture nominee epic at the time but she never really i mean the bachelor and the bobby soxer um was like 47 uh and that was a pretty decent film but it was mostly because carrie grant and myrna Loy were like the stars of it and she was like the third part of the love triangle and then the next year was Fort Apache, which is good. And then just I really I really don't know. She just kinda yeah. she felt she didn't need it anymore. She went into politics. She was really good friends with Ronald Reagan, so like she became an ambassador under him. But the, uh George Bush senior, uh apparently did not get along with her for some reason. <laughs>
0: Uh, so like he like, <laughs> it was because he saw the bluebird the
1: child, <laughs> maybe <laughs> scarred him for life. Yeah. So when he was president, uh, he like relieved her of her duties or something. But I think under Clinton, oddly enough, she uh, went back into it. I, I, I don't think he's doing it anymore. She's still alive, but quite old.
0: Yeah, about 85.
1: Yeah, he was born in 1928
0: yeah that's crazy I mean, yeah she's been i don't know she is she seems she strikes me as the kind of person who like just likes to you know likes her life to be private and hmm. mostly kind of just stayed low profile um and
1: you have to realize like with a lot of these um stars when you're eighty five years old like people are like focusing on like things you did mm-hmm you know, 60 years ago, yeah. like more, 70 years ago, actually.
0: When she was like a, a, a baby.
1: Yeah. And it's like, that's all anybody wants to talk about. And it's like, right. I had this whole life, you know, yeah. I did all these like.
0: And, yeah. I mean, yeah. like it's hard enough for like actors who become like typecast. Yeah. um, To sort of like shed that image of themselves. But when it's like, when you get to, when you're not even out of your teenage years and you're still trying to, you're still under the shadow of your, you know, seven year old self. Hmm. Like, that's got to be kind of hard to deal with and to reconcile. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think that, like, it, 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 it's easy for a lot of people to um, to kind of measure an actor or a director or any kind of artist, musician, measure their worth by, like, well, what have they done recently? Like, they just did this one thing and then they, he hasn't worked in, you know, 20 years or something. But it's like, well, maybe they didn't want to yeah continue it's on, like were they like,
1: done since then well let's see i don't know they they had a family yeah exactly and They started like, a business they they're plumbers who knows and, they just did not to. And to a lot are. of people
0: they view that as like you know some kind of a failure like mm. they couldn't make it in the business or something but it's like maybe they didn't want to not
1: everybody's cut out to be a ron howard or a drew barrymore yeah just like born who, into it and they just keep and they going just keep, yeah,
0: exactly um and there's nothing wrong with that it's like you know i mean some people want to continue on. And, and, you know, for a lot of, and for some people there are, you know, people who just want to keep going in the biz and they just can't make it work. And, you know, they feel unfulfilled. That certainly does happen.
1: Like alfalfa.
0: But I mean, you know, for a a lot of people, it's just like, eh, you know, those are some things that I did, you know, when I was younger you know, 10, 15 years ago. And that was a lot of fun, but I don't know. I never really wanted to do it. Like my whole life and that's totally fine. Like you can appreciate like things for what they are and not like expect artists to continue to like put out the same kind of stuff. It's very it's like it doesn't make any sense to hold them up to that kind of like ideal. But yeah, I mean I with yeah, with Shirley with someone like Shirley Temple, it's got to be your whole life is is defined by things you did when you were before you were 10 years old
1: and which is why like one of her many legacies is the drink which is my drink of choice the shirley temple (laughs) which is uh you know it's not alcoholic it's a virgin drink it's Mm. a little kid drink right because shirley temple is a little kid like eternally in everybody's mind Mm
0: -hmm. yeah like i don't even know what she looks like you know after her teenage years basically
1: fucking hot yeah. I don't know actually <laughs> I don't know I was just...
0: <laughs> um, but yeah I guess uh, I guess that was the bluebird
1: that was the
0: bluebird so we need to decide what other movies we're gonna watch this month
1: we do should we skip way ahead to the 80s or should we stay back in like the 40s 50s
0: well we've got three more three more uh, weeks to go in January um it'd be nice to i definitely want to do something more modern for like by the by the end of it we should do something that's like
1: like geely or john carter
0: yeah something like that that'd be cool um jonah hex (laughs) now it's him we went over this (laughs) oh yeah and that's funny because last time um, we were talking about Megan Fox and I was, and I was like have I ever seen a Meg- have I even seen a Megan Fox movie but I have because she's in Jonah Hex uh, um, and I've seen that and it's uh, yeah it's terrible
1: well we don't have to watch that one then
0: um, but I, I've got a list here of the, uh, the top uh, well the, the top right? <laughs> maybe the <laughs> bottom I don't know the biggest box office flops of all time um, and it's kind of, there's some interesting things about this uh, about this list um, this is on this is according to Wikipedia page um, it's, it's a list of 50 um, you know what the number one movie is and they measure this by like how much money the movie lost and not like by percentage but just like how many you know what is the biggest number of dollars that were lost in in the in the making and release of a movie
1: so the biggest flop of all time. Yes. What
0: was what with is it? with an estimated loss of a hundred and over a hundred and thirty million dollars. Mars Needs Moms. <laughs> which came out in two thousand eleven. It's an animated movie. I remember that coming out briefly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I remember seeing a trailer and being like, eh, you know, I don't I don't really want to go do that. But a hundred and thirty million dollars. How insane is that?
1: And that's one of those things where it's like, you know, you want to be like, oh, well, you know, it shouldn't just be about the money. They should just follow their, like, artistic integrity and stuff. But I don't think the people making Mars Needs Moms (laughs) were like, this is my vision. I need Mm. to follow my vision. I think it was calculated to make money. I think that's why that film exists. So it's like...
0: How could they? It's just
1: irresponsible. When you think of like, there are jobs on the line, there are mouths to feed. Yeah. And they're just like, let's throw this money
0: in this thing. The the budget was approximately $150,000. I mean, $150 million. Oh, okay. I was going to say, it's like, how the fuck did they lose? The studio's like, we don't know how this happened. We only put $150,000 in. Like, money is just blowing out of the doors. Uh, they were
1: fining us for making a terrible movie. Yeah, so.
0: They got sued from everywhere.
1: Like, this movie's terrible. Children were traumatized. Not since the Bluebird have so many young minds been warped.
0: Like, Is mommy going to Mars? <laughs> no, it's just a movie. no 150 million dollar budget um what's the next one like what's number two on the list with an estimated loss um this just says um i guess it's a pretty wide estimate it says somewhere between 69 million and 129 million which is a pretty big gap pretty big margin but that's the 13th warrior From 1999, starring Antonio Banderas.
1: I remember that coming out, and I remember people being pissed that they changed the title because the book was "Eaters of the Dead" by Michael Crichton. Mm, I didn't know that. And then um, I remember reading about it in Fangoria, Mm. and um, just it was like one article saying like this movie's coming out, (laughs) and then like I never heard anything about. I didn't realize it was like a big budget movie. Yeah, I don't think they put much into promotion.
0: I saw the movie actually. I um, not in theaters, but I remember being I remember seeing commercials and stuff and being yeah. like I want to see that movie. This is 1999, so I was like 12 years old, um, or 13. Um, but I rented the movie on on VHS when it came out. Um, I remember watching it and being like, eh. hmm. <laughs> Um And I don't remember really anything about it, but yeah, I was surprised to see that um, as as number two. And what's even more surprising. Is at the bottom of this page, they have the top 10 films adjusted for inflation. Hmm. So, this is like, you know, if you know, after you put all the money in, in you know, you compare it and, you know, adjust for inflation. <laughs> um, 13th Warrior is number one on the list. Wow.
1: You'd think people would be talking about that film more.
0: Yeah. You never being hear like, anybody. So, it is like pretty much like the biggest. Everybody always, they'll
1: they'll throw out, you know, like Waterworld and Hudson Hawk and things like that. You never hear anybody talking about 13th Warrior.
0: Yeah, and what's funny also about (laughs) Waterworld is that um, it's not on this list at all. It's not in the top 50, according to Wikipedia. Um, Yeah, and you think of that one as being like a huge...
1: Well, that was also one of those things where they were, like, Heaven's Gate, the press was attacking it before it even came out and saying they're wasting all this money, and they were, like, reviewing the, the budget, they weren't reviewing the film. Not that... I'm not going to go to bat for Waterworlds. <laughs> <laughs> I I went into it, like, expecting, like, some sort of, like, lost masterpiece or something, and, um... No, it's just a movie that exists. It's, it's like, um... Hook for grown ups, kind of, with all the Mm. that's what it reminded me of. I don't know. Or Mad Max on the water.
0: Yeah, it's more like that. Yeah, Yeah, more like Mad Max.
1: I was just thinking of like the costumes reminded me of like the Lost Boys in Which Hook, I believe, was also uh not I don't know if it was like if it lost a lot of money, but I know that uh Spielberg kind of fell out of critical favor with that, although he bounced right back as he often does
0: um yeah so quickly the 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 top 10 well let's look at the 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 top 10 not adjusted for inflation these are just like the hard numbers of you know how many millions of dollars did they lose um the top 10 movies are uh mars needs mom from 2011 13th warrior 1989 the lone ranger from 2013 Number three on the list, estimated losses up to one hundred and nineteen million dollars.
1: Nolan oh. Murphy and Quentin Tarantino loved
0: it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was on uh, Quentin Tarantino's uh, top ten list of of the year. Um, also from two thousand thirteen, number four, R.I.P.D., which is, was the Rest in Peace Department.
1: I remember seeing trailers for that and just being like, "This looks horrible."
0: Yeah, it's kind of like a um almost like a men in black kind of movie with Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges
1: together at last. <laughs>
0: yeah. The team up. Everyone's been waiting for, <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's funny. Cause like, that's the kind of movie that like I can, I watch the trailer and I just know, like no one is going to be interested in seeing it. Like there are some movies that just like, it's it, what it comes down to a lot of times is just like the timing of it. Mm. Like, and I actually, um, at, uh, at, uh, my, my job at Amy's, Uh, dinner and movie um we'll have we'll host like birthday parties yeah during the weekends and where we you know they'll come in with like a DVD and we'll show it while they eat you know their birthday cake and stuff um and recently one family came in with uh with RIPD to watch and uh so I put it in and I was kind of curious and I hung in the back of the theater for a little while and I kind of watched some of it and it really does feel like men in black um so, it makes me think, like, you know, if R.I.P.D. had come out back in, what was it, 1998, 1997? Around when,
1: that time. Yeah,
0: when Men in Black came out. Like, instead of Men in Black, instead of M.I.B., it was R.I.P.D. Um, It probably would have been a hit.
1: And, at that time, it wouldn't have, like... Just watching the trailer, I was like, wow. Like, all I could think was, like, wow, that movie looks expensive.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, I don't think it needed to be. And, um... that. Men in Black was that, was that Barry Sonnenfeld? Yes. So he did the Adams Family. I don't know if he did the sequel, but I know he did the first one. Um, so I feel like back in the '90s, you know, if he was doing R.I.P.D., he still would have had that kind of like black humor. But yeah, I was actually before you mentioned the Men in Black thing, I was thinking like if it had done, if it had been done in like the mid '90s by someone like um, Tim Burton or Terry Gilliam, mm-hmm. it would have been great. Well, if it had been Terry Gilliam. It probably still would have flopped, right? <laughs> but it would have become a cult classic later yeah, exactly. on.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, so yeah, that seems to be the theme with a lot of these. Let me let, well, let me just get through the uh, the top ten All here. Right. Um, next up is John Carter. Yep. Um, from twenty twelve, Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within. From is that one?
1: Is that a sequel? Are there several Final
0: Fantasy movies? No, that was the only one.
1: Okay, because every time I see a commercial for Final Fantasy, I can't tell if it's a movie or a video game. Because I don't... It, it, yeah, it's no, to that, that point where like right. the graphics are the
0: same. I mean, the graphics now in, in video games are better than they were <laughs> during, when The Spirits Within came out. Uh-huh. Um, that was back in 2001. Um, yeah, that was the, the, the CGI Final Fantasy movie that really has nothing to do with Final Fantasy, the video games. Um, I saw that in the theater. Eh, terrible movie. <laughs> um, number seven jack the giant slayer also from 2013
1: i remember seeing trailers for that one and then it just i it just went away
0: yeah we had it um playing at amy's uh dinner movie (laughs) um and i saw i watched some of it and like that's another one where i was like i can watch the trailer and i'm just like it doesn't feel like the right time for this kind of movie even though there are there's this weird sort of resurgence going on with like all these sort of like updated fairy tale movies. There were two snow white movies that came out and
1: everything has to get darker. Now Mm -hmm. you need to have like the really dark, serious Batman movies and Avenger movies and like dark fairy tale movies. And like, I mean, every (laughs) now and then throw in like some sunshine. I don't know. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I don't know. Um,
1: Jack and the fucking beanstalk. Calm down.
0: (laughs) No, it's Jack the Giant Slayer. Sorry. Um they actually changed that title. It, the original title was Jack the Giant Killer.
1: Which that's what the one from like the early 60s was, right?
0: I think that's like the name of the of the fairy tale like Okay. The traditional name of the story is Jack the Giant Killer. Um but they changed it to Slayer because they thought Killer was too too harsh. Somehow Slayer is like They wanted to get in the Buffy
1: crowd. So
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um and that number eight is Sahara. In two thousand five, and I believe that's the. Um... Oh no, that's not the movie I was thinking of. It's with uh, Matthew McConaughey, uh, Penelope Cruz. I've I've never even seen anything about this movie.
1: I remember th- there's a boat or something.
0: But apparently, <laughs> but apparently it had a budget of one hundred and sixty million dollars. Yeah, it looked like a big boat. So, um, number nine is Stealth also from 2005 which I always confuse with Sahara
1: oddly enough I, I have a DVD of like not the movie but just the special features of stuff like featurettes and stuff because I was at Best Buy or something and like they gave it to me free when I bought some other DVD like as a promotion for this new
0: movie that was coming out and you're just like I don't want to have anything to do I with this I watched it and I was just like I'm, I'm good um, and then number 10 The Adventures of Pluto Nash of course um maybe we should watch that movie from 2002
1: isn't that one that actually did like hurt people like not like i mean like (laughs) like career-wise like didn't that bring like some company down or something oh
0: i don't know yeah it lost uh 96 million dollars and i mean that that seems to be like kind of the uh the thing is just like okay so in in this top 10 the oldest movie on this list is from 1999 that's the 13th warrior three in the top 10 are from 2013. and then
1: but this is not this is the one that's not adjusted for inflation
0: yeah not adjusted for so, inflation.
1: yeah
0: um but even when you adjust it for inflation the top Several 10, of them
1: are still on the
0: yeah. two 2013 movies. Yeah, Lone Ranger and R.I.P.D. are still on the list. <laughs> the oldest movie on the uh, adjusted for inflation is um, 1964, The Fall of the Roman Empire, which I don't know anything
1: about this movie. That's uh, I think Anthony Mann directed that, and I think Sofia uh, Loren isn't it.
0: Uh Sophia Loren, Alec Guinness, Christopher Plummer. Yeah, I guess um Yeah, that lost uh, adjusted for inflation hundred and twenty-five million dollars. But yeah, the, so the the, uh, the adjusted for inflation you got thirteenth warrior, cutthroat island from nineteen eighty five.
1: I haven't seen it, but I know like, like the backstory of the making of it. Oh,
0: Gina Davis.
1: She was married to the guy, so she agreed to be in his movie. And, and Matthew
0: Modine, Frank John. <laughs> I uh, I met Matthew Modine once upon a time. Actually, I didn't well, I didn't actually meet him, but I have a picture of Matthew Modine with Steve that I kind of snuck because he, Matthew <laughs> Modine sat behind us when we went to go see uh, Martin Scorsese talk at mm-hmm. the Lake Placid Film Festival. Um we should watch cutthroat island
1: i'm in cool yeah i think that was like
0: gina davis's that's, that's like number, last film for that's like number a while two on the list 135 million so 13th warrior cutthroat island mara's knees moms final fantasy adventures of pluto nash fall of the roman empire sahara lone ranger heaven's gate and ripd that's the top 10 adjusted for inflation now, it's it's just crazy to me how, I mean, when you look at, like... All right, let's look at, like, The Lone Ranger. Like, how much money did The Lone Ranger make, actually make? Not just, you know, what it lost or what the budget was.
1: Right.
0: The movie... Lone Ranger made over $260 million. really
1: there's the a problem office. here. <laughs>
0: yeah, like, how is it that a movie that draws in over two hundred and sixty million dollars. Like people are spend people spent two hundred and sixty million dollars to go see this movie. That's the And it's number three on the biggest box office bombs of all time. And even when you adjusted for inflation, it's number eight. Like, how is that like it doesn't even make any sense. There's like
1: lessons to be learned that people refuse to learn. Um, like you think back to the early sixties, around the time of the fall of the Roman Empire. Um <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was like, what? <laughs>
1: Around the time that the film "The Fall of the Roman Empire" my was whole <laughs>
0: timeline of history is
1: totally wrong. Yeah, Rome didn't fall till 1964. Um, but you know, there were these big, huge films like Cleopatra that the, the studios were just, like, pouring money into because they're like, oh, well, you know, we can't just keep making these, like, little films. We need to just, like, focus all our attention on these big films. Mm-hmm. Everything has to rely on this. And if one of them fails, the studio goes down. And, um, you know, and because of that, that kind of, like, allowed some, like, smaller filmmakers to come in throughout the 60s and into the 70s and you had, like, the new Hollywood renaissance and everything. Um, and then, you know, we went back into that in the eighties with a lot of the big budget films and then at the end of the eighties and the early nineties you had the rise of all like the like uh Sundance film festival and Miramax and Artisan Lionsgate, things like that. And now it's happening again.
0: There's just such and a like, small margin that they're kinda of dealing with where it's like
1: And it's hard to get out of now because now when there's these small like films they're not going to get into theaters like they would have in like the early nineties or they would have in the early Mm seventies. They're just going to be out there online and stuff. And like, that's where they are. And like, um, there was, uh, some sort of press conference with, I think it was Spielberg, Lucas and some other people. And, uh, Spielberg was saying like, you know, we keep doing this. And at some point it's all gonna, one of these films yeah. is going to fail and, it's and gonna everything's going everything, to yeah. yeah and there i was watching charlie rose like a week or two ago i'm not sure when um and there was this horrible woman on um who was promoting this book she'd written which was saying like um we should use the blockbuster model of hollywood in all aspects of business and like that's a good thing we should pour all of our money in these big things and ignore little things mm-hmm. because you'll just lose money if you just promote little things and like you know charlie rose was polite and was listening to her and like maybe i don't know maybe from a business side there is some validity to that but it just
0: well studios keep doing it and
1: yeah but they're losing so i think much i money. think it's
0: kind of like they keep doing it because they have to, that's the only way that they can compete with everybody else. Is that like, since everybody has the tent the, the, the blockbuster tentpole films, then you have to have those too. If you're going to like compete for the, the consumer's dollar.
1: But I'd like to see the, the statistics of like, what, what was that money spent on for the Lone Ranger?
0: Yeah. That's the thing. Like Lone Ranger's budget.
1: How much does Army Hammer cost? I mean, come on, he's he's the guy from the social network. What else did he do besides social network? He did something, but I, nothing like that would. I I don't know. It just seems like uh money was wasted somewhere.
0: It it doesn't even make any sense because according to this list on Wikipedia, the Lone Ranger's production budget was between two hundred twenty five. <clears throat> Excuse me, two hundred twenty-five and two hundred fifty million dollars. That was the budget. The movie grossed two hundred and sixty million dollars. Ten million dollars more.
1: But don't you need to make like it's like uh, there's a but the there's thing like is, an is, equation like, somewhere These production to make budgets a
0: Don't include the advertising and the uh, the marketing, the, the, all the marketing, which that is where How much like because studios a don't McDonald's report toys. that. The, the studios don't like. Divulge how much money they're spending on like the marketing of things, and that's where like
1: and also, they these, put a lot
0: of the, their eggs in the in the baskets.
1: These grosses is that just that's just theatrical?
0: Yeah, is, they, th- that's just theatrical. So doesn't, that doesn't include. I don't think it includes home releases. TV, yeah, or anything I like.
1: almost said like television sales, but I I don't know if they're really like. Yeah. They made a bundle cuz they sold the Lone Ranger at TNT to right. show five
0: times. Like <laughs> Yeah, cut up with commercials and
1: And I think it was in 3D too, so
0: Was it? I, I don't know. actually know. Probably.
1: Um I think it's required that a movie like that has to be in 3D these days.
0: But yeah, I mean, it's uh it's crazy. I think like if like do d- you could make the Lone Ranger for way less than 250 million dollars. Let's do it because i mean
1: that <laughs> <laughs> they did raiders of the lost ark uh shot for shot or whatever um for like nothing let's let's do lone ranger
0: you're talking about there's like um these two super fans back when the Raiders of the lost ark yeah, i mean it took them out. like 10 years or something. and over the course of like the 80s they took all their spare time and like recreated but
1: with our technology today it would take <laughs> right. us like one year
0: um, no, I mean, I just look at, look at like all these classic, like the classic Westerns. Hmm. They didn't have budgets of $250 million.
1: What did they need them for? They had
0: the desert. They didn't need to make the desert. But they're paying, you know, but on the same time, they're paying for people like Johnny Depp.
1: Right. No, I'm talking about the old Westerns. Oh, right. Like, the they, didn't, Western they didn't stuff, need right. the, the I mean, like if they were going to have like a bunch of like, if they're going to have a train Mm-hmm. sequence or something mm-hmm. like that maybe you know they got to spend something but yeah that's true but also back then as far as like actors went they were just under contract they didn't have to pay them anything they yeah. had their weekly salary right and they were just like uh you're gonna be in this western this week
0: so. yeah now that is also part of the reason why everything's changed is because yeah i mean you look at like some actors make ungodly amounts of money off of these uh, these things. Like, there's this whole Robert Downey Jr. Um, Marvel deal that um, recently came to light about how much money he made on the Avengers. Mm. Unbelievable amounts. Is
1: it similar to, like, the Jack Nicholson Joker deal where he now, like, gets royalties from the Iron Man character and stuff?
0: Um, no, it was, like, he wound up with, like, part of his original deal to be in the uh, the first Iron Man movie I think was like he got a certain percentage of the, the grosses yeah. of the movie um, and it was for like he signed a contract for like a certain amount of movies which included the Avengers the Avengers went on to make like over a billion dollars and so he walked away with like some ridiculous amount just for that one movie he got paid like 75 million dollars something like that
1: for a split second i almost said like now why does the avengers make over a billion and yet the lone ranger and john carter <laughs> and then i'm thinking like everybody knows the avengers right in 2013 or whenever the avengers came out 2012
0: that was last that was last year yeah right. 2012 yeah
1: they're all the avengers movies have blended together for me so i i mm-hmm. um but like the Lone Ranger, if that movie, had, if they'd made the movie, you know, 50 years ago, everybody knows the Lone Ranger and Tonto. Right. Everybody knows like the backstory and everything. But there's no now like the big thing is like, oh, they, they have an Injun main character. Like it's going to be all offensive and stuff. It's mm-hmm. not just like, well, no, this is this character that's existed for decades. And, and like John Carter, you know, there were like series of novels based on the character that people decades ago
0: like everybody knew who that was. Right. And in John Carter had a whole bunch of different problems. Um, I'm sure they both did.
1: That's just the main thing (laughs) in in regards to like, why wouldn't they make as much money as the Avengers?
0: The the marketing of John Carter was really where I haven't seen the movie, but from what I've heard, like people actually like the, the the few people who went to go see the movie actually did enjoy it. Like, and like maybe not enjoy it, but they said like, it's not a horrible movie. It's not like a bad movie.
1: The only negative reviews that I've read for it, just constantly mention the money right and but like the positive ones it's sad when that's like oh well it's not a horrible movie mm -hmm. is that what we're that's where we're at right now (laughs) like you go to the movie and you're like well at least it wasn't horrible
0: well the the original and like correct me if i'm wrong i think the original book that it's based on is called like the princess of mars
1: I'm not sure there there are several books I'm not sure which one Right. This is. I think
0: well I think like the series or maybe like the first book or something that it was based on was called The Princess of Mars. And when they were trying to figure out how to market the movie they were like, well, you know, Princess of Mars like you know princesses aren't going to sell tickets so they jettisoned that out and they replaced it and they said John Carter of Mars. And then they're like, well, you know, the whole Mars thing that's not really like mars needs mom <laughs> yeah I think, I think that's what happened that's probably what happened <laughs> mars needs mom yeah because that was 2011 yeah that was the so problem they were with like mars needs moms. They were like holy with shit mars. needs moms just it became like the biggest just lost 130 million dollars like i also think mars
1: attacks wasn't that big of a hit right so maybe just that like, was like you know like, mars is you just go. that's
0: out you mission can't. to mars so no. then they just dropped that to the most generic fucking title john carter like what is it like no one knows what that movie yeah, it's is like, what is that, is that like, like if you jack just Ryan? saw it on a like... list yeah like or jack reacher you know these like horribly like just bland fucking reacher. titles like yeah. and th- that drives me crazy is when movies just have like the dumbest titles like meet dave we're the millers john carter <laughs> it's just like god we don't know what these movies like what that doesn't say anything you know It's just it's just dumb, and so I think like people just didn't know what the heck the movie was, and it came out after Avatar, and like the trailer kind of made it look a little bit they're trying to like ride on the Avatar coattails, I think, but people were just like, ah, oh, it's just an Avatar knockoff. And that's the thing. Like sometimes like you can capitalize on the popularity of of a big hit by making by following it up with something that's in the similar vein like oh this is what's hot right now we got a strike you know well we've got a movie that's kind of like it and we can you know do something but when you have a huge massive hit like avatar or the wizard of oz if you have like something that feels like a knockoff like it will turn people off and i think like sometimes people kind of just become tired of that experience and i think like People might have been feeling Avatar fatigue by the time that John Carter came out. Yeah, I was tired of hearing about Avatar. That's for sure. And then you see some. Then you see like a commercial for a movie that kind of looks like Avatar, even though it probably has nothing like Avatar. You know, they're 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 marketing it kind of like it. You know, they're like, here is this guy and he's on a different world and there are all these like creatures and stuff and yeah. I don't know. I think like. It it really comes down to timing with any movie that's a success or a failure. I mean, and the, the, you know, the, 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 it's not like a new idea. People say that all the time. It's like yeah. you have to... Sometimes things just happen at the right time, in the right place, and uh, it can be a smash success. Or if it comes out a year too late, then, you know, it's a total failure. And it's got to be hard to, like, really gauge that because you have to anticipate when things are going to be popular like not when you're starting production in the movie but when the movie is going to be coming out you know like if you start production like sometimes two maybe even three years before the movie is going to be released um usually not three years three-year production is a long time it happens but it does happen gone with the wind I'm talking a little more modern yeah (laughs) but um you know like two-year product like you have to figure like you know oh in two years is this going to be connecting with people you know and sometimes a movie can feel especially now like when things are moving so fast like sometimes when we can just feel outdated in just a couple of years so I mean you know it's got to be tough like making these decisions as a studio head like especially when you have, when you're throwing around like hundreds of millions of dollars, like I don't envy that job to, you know, to decide like what you're going to pour your money into, what you're going to like folk, you know, put all the, the focus on. Um,
1: that was one of the benefits gotta be of tough. Uh, like in the pre jaws era when like Roger Corman, he he would just see like these trends going on, some of which he actually set himself and you could throw a whole production together and have it shot in a month
0: mm-hmm.
1: and have it out in theaters like the next week. But, you know, like after... But you can
0: only do that on a really small budget.
1: Right. And that's after Jaws and Star Wars, people were expecting like, oh, no, you have to spend all this time and money. You can't just have like... It can't just be a good film. It's it has be to blow spectacular... my mind. Every yeah. single film has yeah. to blow people's minds. And it's like, that's
0: and it's too got much to be bigger to ask and for. bigger <laughs> and better and better and like yeah that that really is the problem i think and now cuz i just think like okay if all these movies here on this list of you know the, the box office bombs like all their budgets should have been like if you cut all their budgets in half a lot of them probably you know could be uh could have been successful
1: and a lot of it is like, like getting back to The Lone Ranger, I'm sure that Johnny Depp got a lot of money to be in it. Mm. Would it have? Do you think it would have affected the success of the film if they'd had some other actor who had at least as much talent as Johnny Depp, but, you know, maybe wasn't that big of a name? They'd save so much money paying right. for that guy. Mm-hmm. But like they still can say like oh from the makers of Pirates of the Caribbean, and with that handsome fellow from the social network, <laughs> like right. I, I well don't I mean right. and, maybe, a, and maybe cast... like
0: Army Hammer like you know he's not like yeah. selling he's not the one selling tickets he's not it's not the name that's like that people are wanting to go see because he's not like he's not the same kind of star caliber as like a Johnny Depp and but like, he's the, you know in the leading role. So I mean, they're, they're from a studio's perspective. They're like, we have to have someone in there that like is.
1: But at this point, our stars really. Who who was the star of Avatar? What was that guy's name?
0: Oh. Yeah. Shit. That. Sa- Sam. Um, Sam. Oh, fuck! I just had it in mind. My... Neil. <laughs> no not Rockwell no not Rockwell uh, Me,
1: Davis Jr. Worthington.
0: Sam Worthington Sam Worthington That's says right. Kayla Thank you Kayla um I I, <laughs> I was gonna say like Sam Weiler I I knew it was W Worthington right
1: who was packing those theaters to see Sam Worthington they were there to see like see, this yeah, world new, that yeah. that James Cameron had created right he James now, Cameron was the star Gore Verbinski I think has like similar cachet at this point in time he did all the pirates movies like they were all huge hits was it just johnny depp that was bringing people in um
0: i don't i think i don't know
1: that's the only good thing about the doesn't have that
0: that same kind of name like household recognition as like james cameron you really
1: should because he has an awesome name verbensky yeah how do you forget Gore i mean
0: but james cameron like he's like the terminator aliens titanic guy you know like that those are like timeless classics pirates you know they're i don't know i've never seen any of them they're, they're popular but and i like just a lot, they, you know a lot of people like them i feel
1: like at this point people have been like raised on them so like in the way that like we would think of like oh the terminator movies they would think of like oh pirates of the caribbean
0: right but i think like you know a lot of people like that's the thing with Avatar is like when I went to go see it, I was looking around the theater and there were people who looked like they were dragged out of the nursing home coming to see it. You know, I saw like Hasidic Jews and like all kinds of like people. I'm just like, there are, I've never seen any of these people around (laughs) town at all. And they're all coming to see Avatar. And I was just like, man, like there's something in the water about this movie that is just like makes everyone want to go see it. Um, somehow it just hit that perfect recipe, but you're right. I mean, there is no, like on the acting side, there was no, the biggest star name was like Sigourney Weaver. And she's, you know, not Who had really done like
1: any big things. Long yeah. Time.
0: Nowadays, she's not like, you know, a huge draw, I'd say, but she certainly was like back in, you know, the eighties and ghostbusters and aliens. Yeah, totally. And, yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean that I, I, I do wonder sometimes about just like how much it do, really does affect people. Although so. On the
1: flip side of that, did John Carter have any stars? Um that's a good question. So I don't even know who directed that and I don't know who starred in it.
0: Yeah, I I don't know who the um Okay, it was directed by Andrew Stanton. Oh right, okay. Andrew Stanton was the... uh, He was a Pixar guy. This was his first live-action film. They could have
1: played that up in the ads. I believe
0: Andrew Stanton was the guy who directed WALL-E. Everybody loved WALL-E.
1: He... Okay. They couldn't have said from the makers of WALL-E.
0: He wrote Toy Story. What? He wrote Toy Story 2 and Monsters, Inc. He directed Finding Nemo. He directed WALL-E. He wrote, wrote and directed Finding Nemo and Wally. i
1: I've seen half of
0: those, and they were all great. Finding he, Nemo was amazing. Yeah, and he wrote and directed John Carter. So, I mean, and it's, they, a, it's a Disney movie, you know? So why
1: wouldn't they play up? And also, if it was a Disney movie, why wouldn't they say Princess of Mars? They got another Disney princess right there. Yeah, right? <sighs> disney you really dropped the ball and that's why like you
0: know everything that i hear about the movie is that it's just like the marketing whoever was marketing it the the team really like just failed the, the film because i mean i'm curious that we should we should watch it yes i'm in okay all right so our last film of the month will be john carter okay our second to last will be cutthroat island all right and so what's what are we gonna watch next week so we've got one from the 90s and then one from uh last year or no, not last year at this point, 2 years ago now. Um So one somewhere between I'm still interested in
1: Ishtar. Is it out there in internet land?
0: Um it... what do you mean like on Netflix or whatever?
1: Uh yeah, or just downloadable. It has been released on VHS, it has been released on DVD, but it's all it goes out of print very quickly
0: um yeah i don't know i looked on netflix and i didn't see it um i'm looking at this list again of the of the top 50 not adjusted for inflation one thing that i thought was was interesting hugo martin scorsese's hugo is on the list at number 22 really yep lost estimated between upwards to 77 million dollars and um that was a gorgeous film oh yeah wonderful I can see where the money went and uh had a estimated budget of 150 to 170 million dollars and again like brought in 185 million dollars <laughs> <It's not laughs> so it's enough. like um uh, maybe like Hugo which has which was a great movie I really enjoyed it and um Was, you know, amazing to look at and didn't really have, like, you know, huge, you know, stars, acting stars. Martin Scorsese was probably, like, the the biggest sort of star draw there for a lot of people. But, I mean... I think everybody was like,
1: Georges Méliès, we're going to watch right. Méliès <laughs> films in fucking in 3D, 3D. Oh my God. Yeah, no. I was excited yeah. about that. But yeah, I don't think... A lot of people went in not knowing it was about Méliès. Right. And Apparently it was, they were, it was like a twist to them halfway But enough through.
0: people went for them to bring in $185 million. But what was the
1: budget? 170 So $15 million is the
0: but it still managed to lose over 77 million how is this possible like what is wrong here because it's like how could it it possibly be a failure when you have like this seemingly sort of niche movie you know this strange kind of like not easily sellable to a mass audience and people go people spend their money 185 million dollars spent theater was packed when i saw it and it's still somehow a failure it's crazy absolutely crazy but anyway so
1: have you seen the adventures of pluto nash (laughs) no do you want to watch that
0: sure yeah fuck it let's go all right let's dig it down and dirty so so we want to watch cutthroat island next all right all right yeah (laughs) sounds good Let's just skip over all that. Let's just go straight to the nineties.
1: Yeah, we've we've been kind of mired in the cutthroat yeah. island. Yeah, Here we let's... come. I'd I'd love to do an episode at some point, which with this month's theme might not be possible, where we can go the whole episode without sounding like like crotchety old men complaining <laughs> about the way things are in the world today. Well,
0: no, I mean, I think I don't know. It's, it's there are good things and bad things about the way that things are today. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you know, I I understand like some of the thinking that goes into some of these decisions, and and I'm not sort of like naively saying, you know, waxing nostalgia for like, oh, time, things were so much better back then. Why don't they do it like they did, you know, years ago? It's just I I don't know. I mean, like, bo- like films have always bombed. I mean, we just watched one from 1940, you know, mm. Bluebird. Is the thing, you know, things haven't really changed that much. I mean, they have in the respect that like the budgets are way too overinflated. But. And like,
1: Citizen Kane was not financially successful. Duck Soup was a disaster. A lot, are, a lot are are of movies, you know,
0: Fantasia was nearly bankrupted to Disney Corporation. You know, Disney was almost like down and out because of Fantasia. And it was like I, if I'm remembering the story properly, like he was sort of not wanting to go into the whole sort of war cartoon era area. But was and was sort of holding out. His last sort of financial investment was going to be Fantasia, and it was going to be this huge thing, and then it just totally failed at the box office and was just a disaster. And so then he kind of was like, "All right, I'll." make these war cartoons
1: fantasia is one where i could see that coming a failure
0: yeah because it's it's a strange it's a it's an abstract kind of concept to grasp for most people i think when you just see it on a billboard you're just like you know how like, it's hard to pitch that movie and like a, you know. I remember watching it as a little kid, like and
1: I would always, everybody would always play up um, the Sorcerer's Apprentice mm-hmm. sequence with Mickey, and like that would be like on the posters and everything, and and like I got the tape for Christmas one year, and I like put it right in the VCR, and I'm like, what, what the fuck is this? Because
0: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they're just like, hello, this is uh, you know, yeah, you're seeing like the. <laughs> Composer? who is it? is it leonard bernstein or the
1: conductor, conductor? Oh, is it him
0: yeah or no uh no leopold? I it was stakowski leopold stakowski i think it's leopold yeah okay leonard, Bern- leonard, Bern- leonard bernstein leopold leopold, leopold. leopold. stakowski leopold leopold you ever seen that looney tunes i don't know what you're doing oh. <laughs> um there's a looney tunes cartoon in which bugs goes up against this uh, opera singer um there's an opera singer trying to like practice his his opera and meanwhile bugs is outside <laughs> down by his rabbit hole like playing the banjo and like singing all these kind of like silly songs and it's disrupting this guy he can't concentrate so he goes and he like smashes bugs's banjo and is like shut up and so bugs like retaliates by dressing up as the composer on the big night in the big concert and he's wearing like the wig and the tuxedo, and he's come walking down the aisle, and um, <laughs> all the uh, the people in the audience and all the other musicians in the in the orchestra are like, Leopold, Leopold, it's Leopold, Leopold, Leopold. And uh, I have no recollection of oh, this one. that's a that's whatsoever. a great one. That's that's one of the best. Anyway, should <laughs> probably wrap it up. Yeah. um but yeah so next week we'll watch uh cutthroat island Continue oh my on. god
1: <laughs> how does this keep <laughs> happening like right after we stopped recording last week i'm like did i just say we were gonna watch the fucking bluebird <laughs> i don't want to watch the bluebird and now we gotta watch Cutthroat. all right well let's do it
0: <laughs> well then we're gonna watch pluto nash all right and who Sean is that Carter, is that
1: eddie is murphy, that eddie murphy eddie and bill murphy. murray bill murray or is that another movie i'm thinking of
0: i don't know if bill murray's in. okay
1: what the hell am i thinking of what's the movie where like people are inside of bill murray
0: i don't i do not know what that is like
1: may that i dream this bill Murray's like sick or something and like there's like
0: i think of inner space
1: no Although I usually am, because that's a great movie. <laughs> Are you
0: thinking of Meet Dave? Does that have Bill Murray in it? It has Eddie Murphy, in which there's a small Eddie Murphy living inside a big Eddie Murphy or
1: something. I'm thinking of something with Bill Murray, I don't so
0: I, I, don't, I don't know. Adventures of Pluto Nash has Eddie Murphy, Randy Quaid, Rosario Dawson, um, Peter Boyle, Pam Greer, John Cleese. Louise Guzman. Yeah. Sounds like a fun time. It's
1: full of good actors who have all been in horrible films yeah. at one point or another. So what the fuck am I thinking about with Bill Murray? I need to look that up at some point. I'll get back to you folks out there.
0: Will Tim find out what movie <laughs> he's thinking of? Join us next time on talking movies. Thank you for joining us for another exciting episode of Talking Movies. I'm Max. I'm Tim. We'll see you next time. Lady O. Sing a happy jingle, Lady O. Get a happy tingle Lady O. Maybe every single care will go with a lady-o, your lady O. Yo, Lady Yo, Lady, lady. You lay
1: lay, hoo. you lay lay, With
0: a lady. You lay, lay